Today, I'm delighted to be talking to David Ferrer, co-founder and chief technical officer at Bound for Blue. The company has won some interesting contracts recently and has just completed a successful financing round. David, please can you outline the reasons that out of the four principal wind sail technologies, you have chosen to pursue suction sail development? The main reasons were basically we looked at how easy is it going to be to put them on a vessel. So we were really thinking on what is important for a vessel, an existing vessel, and we saw that basically we needed high lift, high lift to have smaller sails. So that was already taking uh, out from our thoughts any wing sail solution because they are pretty large. We were also looking at safety issues. So uh, looking at a kite operation is pretty complex and we saw that there were some uh, safety issues also that uh, we also disregarded that. And between the two remaining, the suction sails and the flatner rotors, both delivering high lift, both being small and both being relatively safe. So we think that uh, they're not, they are not big safety issues. We basically went towards the suction sail because we thought that is the one that is simpler from a mechanical point of view. The suction sail is basically not moving at all, just adjusting the position with the wind. So there are not big moving parts constantly moving. So that makes the mechanism simpler and the OPEX lower. So from all this analysis, that's why we decided to go to the suction sale. Right, okay, thanks. And are you confident or do you believe that out of these four technologies your systems are likely to become the favoured option by ship owners and operators and if so, why? So, of course, we think that it's uh, the best solution. If not, we will have gone to, to a different one when we were doing the, the selection. The, the main reason is a little bit aligned with what, what I said. The, the suction sails are relatively small, so they are easier to integrate on a vessel in terms of aircraft limitation, of stability issues, on uh, deck occupation, meeting visibility, in the terms of extra weight for loss of uh, cargo capacity. So it really meets all those requirements, and they are also very simple to operate. There are no big moving parts, so very little maintenance. They can be fully autonomous, no safety issues. We really think that is the best solution. So yes, we do think that uh, suction sales will be the most favorite options for the owners. When we've spoken before, David, you've said that uh, wind power is going to become a key focus as carbon intensity requirements tighten and new rules come into force. And indeed, we've seen quite a few interesting deals recently involving wind sales of one type and another. Please, can you comment on the regulation related issue? The regulations are are getting tight. Uh, It's being a challenge, very strong challenge to the owners, but it's really pushing a lot towards wind propulsion. So those regulations are really helping. So the first one was uh, sulfur cap at that time that it made the switch towards uh, uh, low sulfur uh, fuels, which are already more expensive. Now the regulations of lowering CO2 emissions like the EXI, the CII, the EUETS and the new fuel EU, it's also helping a lot on these technology adoptions because it's basically could make the difference between being able to operate the vessel or not. When you look at EXI and CII, you have to meet those uh, those regulations. If not, the vessel will not be uh, able to sail. And this is not by changing to a different, let's say, hydrocarbon fuel because you're emitting the same the, the same CO2. So. Wind propulsion is uh, helping on that. And the other ones is related to costs. 
which is now no longer fuel cost, which is also very important because the new regulations are pushing towards getting to, to greener and cleaner fuels, which we don't know the cost, but we all know that it's going to be more expensive than what we have today. So this is also helping the adoption of wind propulsion, but then it's all the carbon related. So the CO2 emissions on the EU ETS is also helping because it's an extra cost that they will have to pay. So it's making the uh, payback easier. And then the new fuel U is also contributing because uh, wind propulsion can help uh, and reduces and makes more efficient the, the, the energy density of the fuel that you're using. So you get more clean fuel thanks to the wind. And this is also reducing the taxes that you will have to pay, that the owners will have to pay related to the fuel that they're using. And this is very interesting because it's no longer related to a variable cost, but that's going to be a fixed cost uh, somehow because you're really saving CO2 emissions and meeting better the fuel EU regulations. So altogether, it's really pushing uh, towards the adoption of wind propulsion, which is quite helpful for us and, and the industry. Mm. Right. OK. Um there have been some pilot installations so far, and I'm interested in their real-life performance. Um, I'm thinking here of your cooperation with Marubeni and uh, similarly Louis Dreyfus. Also, could you comment on your order book and, uh, and, the, and the level of inquiry that you're receiving these days, please? Yeah, so um, right now that, that we have published four installation projects, as uh, you were saying, one is with uh, the Ems Traveler from Amasus, a general cargo vessel. We installed the sails last summer. We're now doing sea trials on this vessel to, because we want to be able to publish the results to, to, the, to the market and to the public. So we're doing this with Lodge Register. Lodge Register will be doing a third party validation of the performances. The second project that we're working on is on Louis Dreyfus, as you said, on the Roro uh, segment. Uh, we will be installing early next year uh, three sales of our uh, three e-sales on the Ville de Bordeaux vessel. And again, we want to be publishing the, um, the, the, the results, the performance results. We have a third installation project on a tanker vessel that we published a few uh, months ago with Oddfield uh, tankers. Uh, that's going to happen in 2024. Uh, we'll be installing four units of our Model 2 22 meters on an MR tanker. And again, we want to be publishing those results uh, because I think that's uh, the important. And finally, we have the Bulker segment with Marubeni. Uh, that the installation is going to happen in 2025. These are the four, let's say, main installations that we are working on in order to have a demonstrator and some results to show and to publish to the to the to the owners, so that everyone can have access to that. But yes, the regulations that we were discussing before are really pushing very strongly on the owners. So, so some owners are already deciding to move forward and do their own installation, their own uh, pilot or, or their own testing on, on the technology. So there is one uh, installation that I can uh, disclose, which uh, was made public on a small multi-purpose vessel. That's going to be a new building. But there are other projects that are ongoing, still confidential. Uh, I hope to be able to publish them in a few months. But the interest is, is growing. Just to give you a figure, we have received more than 200 inquiries of analysis, of performance analysis of, wow. of propulsion on, 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 with different owners. So it's really moving forward. So we're very happy. Great. OK. Um, now, wind sails, different types of wind sails are suitable for some vessels and not others. Your technology, could you outline which vessels work best and which are not really that suitable? I would make it even more general. So wind propulsion and our suction sails, in, in more, being more specific, are suitable for different types of vessels. So fishing vessels, general cargo vessels, rural run ferry, uh, bulkers, 
tankers and uh, LNG carriers. This is the main types of vessels where you can put sails. I would say any kind of sail, but let, let's also say uh, suction sails. Then why a container vessel is not suitable? The reason why it is not suitable is because it's not because the sail cannot be installed on such a vessel. You could do that, but you need some deck space. So removing containers to put a sail doesn't make economic sense. So the reason why it is not suitable is mainly due to economics because the payback is not good enough. So I would say that on a container vessel, as they are today, it's going to be challenging to put wind propulsion. It doesn't mean that in the future it's not possible or on some specific cases, but probably design of the vessel and design of the loading and unloading means at port may have to be changed to accommodate perfectly those sails. And then, uh, I don't know, on, on the, all these uh, working boats like, like cable layers, uh, can you install wind propulsion? Yes, you can, but those vessels are sailing very little. So if you don't use the, the wind propulsion technology, you're not saving. And if you're not saving, you don't get a good payback. So it's kind of two different things. One mm -hmm. thing is being able to install them from an engineering point of view. And then the other one is that the payback is, is good enough. Mm. So that's why we, we focus on those, uh, let's say, four to five main types of vessels. But it doesn't mean that an owner owning another type of vessel cannot get make an inquiry and, and see if it's feasible or not. Sure, sure. I think that ship owners and operators will hope to make installations when their ships are being uh, were undergoing routine surveys, so to minimise time out of service. Uh, such surveys are often take, undertaken in in key locations around the world, such as the Far East, the Middle East, and perhaps to a lesser extent in Europe. You're based in Spain, so this does present a challenge if it's the Far East, for example, from a supply chain and logistics point of view. Can you comment on this, please? Yeah, as you were saying, we're, we're based in Spain. Our production uh, is currently done in Spain. So yes, uh, delivering sales to to China, it's uh, well. You have to add the the, the cost of transportation uh, to to China or to to any place in Asia. Which I mean, it's I uh, wouldn't say that's a challenge. The, the wind tower, uh, the towers of wind turbines, etc., are shipped. But of course, you have to add that extra cost and that extra time. This is why you have to separate two things. One thing is preparing the vessel. Uh, so making the vessel ready to accommodate the sails, so having the foundation, the cabling, everything ready, which can be done, uh, which has, I would strongly recommend, to be done during those uh, those regular uh, visits to dry dock. But then the vessel is wind ready. So you can do the installation of the sail at shipyard at that time, or you can do it later at any port call of the vessel. So of you can imagine doing the transformation in China and when the vessel uh, comes to Europe, doing the installation during a port call because the installation of the sail can be done in a very short period. Anyway, we in our plan, we want to be able, we want to have a production plan in Asia. So we want to be able to produce sales on both sides of the world and deliver sales on both sides of the world. So this is in our development plan. We don't have that production plan in Asia yet, but we will have it uh, pretty soon. Right. Um, potential customers, customers will obviously focus on payback times. But as you've said before, the the cost of marine fuels in the future is 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 an unknown, and it could well could be a multiple of of what we what we see today. These can only be estimated, though, at the moment. However, you must have models in your systems that you use in marketing and presentations, demonstrating the potential financial returns. 
Can you give uh, some indications of this, please? Yeah, so, so the, uh, as you say, doing a, a payback analysis, it's, it's complicated because there are many uh, assumptions and, and guesses. Uh, and, and it has become even more complicated because you have to see at two different things. One thing is the purely financial return of how many tons of fuel I save, what is the cost of fuel, uh, and what is the amount of CO2 I save, and what is the cost of CO2. So that's, let's say, the variable cost. But then you have the other, the other regulations like EXI, CII, and even well, fuel use cost related. But but this CII, it's a matter of being able to operate or not the vessel. Is so how do you implement that on a on a payback analysis? It's even more complex, and and it becomes even more complex because right now the the EU ETS and fuel use is only applicable when you touch a European port. So making all this model, it's quite complex. But what we are seeing is that even though it's more complex in the way of making it or elaborating it. Paybacks are going down uh, strongly because, uh, as I said, we don't know the cost of the future ammonia or methanol, but what we know is that it's not going to be $600 per ton. Mm. Uh, you can do a multiple of three, and I think that no one is going to say that you're out of uh, out of cost. Mm. Uh, so when you put all these on, on the balance, uh, and include them fuel you, just a vessel that is touching, I don't know, 25% of the of their port calls are in Europe, it makes a very, a very, very attractive uh, case analysis. Right. So usually this, uh, it has become so complex uh, doing this payback analysis that we do need quite a lot of, let's say, discussion with the owner to be able to do a proper one. Sure. But the message is that paybacks are really going down with all those regulations and all those extra costs uh, yes. on, on, all, on all fuel, CO2 and, and other regulations. Yeah, so it's all working in your favour, really. Exactly. I mentioned at the beginning that you recently completed a successful funding round. Obviously, that's a great help for you guys. What are the priorities going forward for you? This funding will be used basically on, on those installations. So in developing the technology and doing those installations on the pilots that we have some public funding and, and some private funding on, on that, uh, as well as uh, funding from, from the owner. Uh, that's one of the things, but the main focus of this funding is on scaling up. Scaling up uh, it means being able to produce tens and hundreds of units of, uh, of our technology in the, in the future, in the, in the next years, being able to supply those sales in two different places in the world, Europe and Asia, and scaling up the team to be able also to have the after-sale service. Because as soon as you put a sale on a vessel, it becomes a worldwide market from day one. So from day one, you have to be able to supply uh, services all around the world. So it's basically scaling up production and, and, and after-sale service. That's, mm -hmm. that's the main goal, validating the technology and, uh, and scaling up the company to be able to be a worldwide company from day one. Mm. You've just completed this funding round, but down the track with the sort of uh, infrastructure that you're going to need, the network that you're going to need around the world is, is going to be quite an expensive uh, asset to put in place. There is strong investor appetite for sustainable technology on various stock exchanges. Do you think a, a listing at some stage might be a possibility? It could be, as any other source of funding. So being listed an IPO, uh, it has uh, basically two two goals. One is getting funding. The other one is uh, giving an exit to the existing investors. 
for example. Both uh, things are right now covered. So with the, the existing funding uh, we got from uh, the funding round, we have, uh, so it's meeting our business plan for the next two years. So we don't have that urgent need. We also gave a, a good exit to some of the uh, early stage uh, investors. So that, that is already covered. So it's not something that is in our top of uh, priorities right now. But yes, in the future, uh, as you said, uh, extra funding may be required and IPO could be also uh, so being listed could be an option mm, okay well finally I'd like to say you know we're approaching the middle of the decade I, I suppose um you as a founder a co-founder of the company uh, and your fellow directors must have some five-year plan or, or something similar so let's just say what would you like to have achieved by 2030 corporately yeah so Without getting into detailed numbers, because I think it's uh, it's um, it could become a little bit uh, random or, or hard to, to 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 measure. For me, what I would like uh, our goal for 2030 is that wind propulsion becomes a well-known and well-accepted standard in shipping. Uh, that all the stakeholders perfectly know about wind propulsion as they know about the main engine and that everyone sees this as a standard solution. If this is achieved, that there is trust in the technology, everyone accepts that it's a good solution, that it's uh, marketable, so the costs are fine and the payback is fine, and that uh, everyone, all the stakeholders understand this technology, all the rest will come. The number of installations, the CO2 emissions, the fuel reduction, the uh, extra employment, uh, the all this will just come, come from that. So our main uh, focus is on making wind propulsion a standard uh, technology in the shipping industry. Right. I, I've just got one final point then. Um, at the moment, uh, you're, you're focusing on existing ships and, uh, and retrofits to improve efficiency and help them comply with regulations that are upcoming. But by 2030, do you think that new ship designs that are on the drawing board for the, the next decade and beyond, will wind power be a part of those designs do you think yes th this is the goal this is the goal that as all new building vessels are built at least wind ready uh, which means that the vessels are already ready to accommodate sails and probably if it's a new build already equipping those sails. Uh, th that's uh, what we would see as a standard and this is this is happening as you said right now we are it, we're focusing on everything but it's true that the retrofit market is larger right now and is a good way of proving the technology and 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 uh, um, beating all the all these barriers but they are already being new builds done wind ready so it start slowly picking up and uh, yeah by 2030 i goal would be that all or at least most of the um, of the vessels will be built wind ready great well david it's been really interesting to, to talk to you and i wish you and your colleagues every success in the future hope we can keep in touch and thank you very much for your time today yeah, thank you very much. It was uh, great having this interview uh, again with you and uh, we will be uh, looking forward for the next one. Okay, very good. Thanks a lot then. Thank you.